And I want us to pray this morning. I want us to pray that the Lord would have his way. The Lord would anoint our ears to receive his word today. Let's join together in prayer. Lord Jesus, we come before you thankful, honored, and privileged to be in your presence, to be in your house today, gathered together with your body today, Lord. And I believe you, Lord, that your word is anointed, and I believe that you can anoint my lips and anoint our ears to hear your word. And Lord, I know that you can change and transform and touch somebody's life today, God. Lord, that you can provide strength to somebody today, God. We give you honor and praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You may be seated this morning. This morning I'm going to be talking about cultivating joy. Cultivating joy. As Christians, we know or have heard plenty. If you've been at church for any amount of, of time, even just a few weeks, you have probably heard about joy. We sing about joy. There's verses about joy. Psalms chapter 30 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. A verse I'm sure that you've heard. Psalms 126 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Isaiah 35 says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sign shall flee away. Isaiah 61 says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty from ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praises for the spirit of heaviness. First Peter says, Whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's some great verses about joy in Scripture. We sing about joy. We sing this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. We sing I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. We sing you have turned my sorrows and mourning into joy. And let me just tell you, I'm not preaching against any of these verses. I'm not preaching against any of these songs, even though sometimes I do preach against songs. So it's all right to get excited about the joy of the Lord today. It's all right to get excited when you think about what he's done for you. You can rejoice because I know that in the middle of the night... I know that joy will come in the morning. I can celebrate today because I know He will trade my morning for joy. That I'm full of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. I'm thankful for the joy of the Lord. I'm thankful that He takes my life, that He takes the pain and the hurt, and He brings joy and gladness into my heart today. Why don't you praise Him this morning and thank Him for the joy of the Lord. So joy is something that we are familiar with, the phrase, the, the, the word itself. And, and, and most of us have at least a basic understanding of what joy is. And, and, and again, this is, some of this is taken from uh, uh, Sunday school lessons I've done, so I'm a little confused about whether I should walk around and teach or preach it, so just bear with me. But there's a few things that I want us to look at uh, today. I think that before we look at what joy is and its, its connections, though, that weave our way through our life, I believe that we need to take a quick look at what joy is not. You see, because there is a difference between joy and happiness. While both can exist at the same time in our life, we can be joyful and happy because they are independent of each other. Uh, I, but there's a slight difference here. I can have joy and not happiness. I can have happiness but not joy. 
They're independent of each other. And, and, and they're independent because they are connected to different things in my life. Happiness is connected to circumstances in my life. Something may happen, a circumstance may happen that causes me to smile, that uh, causes a, something uh, uh, to rise up. And it's all right to be happy. How many have ever been happy before? Something happened and you were happy about it. Okay, there, there's, some, there's some Cubs fans who are extremely happy still today, delirious still today. They are experiencing happiness in their life. Now let me just explain to you Cubs fans that that's not real joy. <laughs> because let me just say that sorrow will return next year. <laughs> it's dependent upon your circumstances. <laughs> I'll probably edit that if I ever preach this in Chicago, but uh, anyway... <laughs> But for this reason, let me say this, money can buy you happiness. You ever bought anything and been happy with it? You, you, you never had that, uh, uh, my, my, my uh, kids are sick today, but my, my Isaac, uh, well, they're both really into Legos, but he, from a young age, he was into Legos, and he would get gift cards and things for his birthday, and he would, he would go and try, and, and I remember one time we were in Toys R Us, he had, he had he'd saved up for Legos and stuff like this for his birthday, and it ended with him sitting in the aisle crying because he just couldn't decide what to spend his money on, and he's told me there's, there's just this feeling he gets when he buys a Lego set. Like, okay, fine. But we all get those kind of feelings when we get something. You get whatever you're into, you buy something new for that, whether it's a fishing pole or a boat or a gun, or, or you go shopping, you buy a new pair of shoes. There's happiness, and money purchased that. So money is connected with happiness because money can change your circumstances. It can change your situation. And, and if you would like to change my circumstances or situation, I will accept your checks. That's fine. But I... And we use money to do things that make us happy. I enjoy myself on vacation, and the thing that makes that happen is money. That, that makes that happen. So I want us to understand that there's a connection between happiness and my circumstances. But joy is not about my circumstances. Joy is connected to something deeper. It's connected to my spirit. And this allows there to be joy in my life despite the circumstances in my life. Uh, one of the greatest examples, and, and, and I'll thank the Lord that I've never gone through it, but childbirth is one of the greatest examples of joy being present because really that situation outside of a child being born is an awful, horrible situation. There's sorrow, there's pain, there's hurt. It's the closest a woman ever comes to death. And yet, in, despite the circumstances, there is joy present in that place. It happens out with a the circumstances. And so joy is like that in the middle of an awful experience, in the middle of a trying time, in the middle of a rough experience. It's possible for me to have joy in the middle of it all because joy supersedes my pain and joy supersedes my circumstance. And joy can allow the pain and fear to be swept away in some cases. In fact, one of the words that's translated as joy in scriptures is described by the Greeks as the culmination of being or the good mood of the soul. Or really it means the calm delight. And really that explains some people when I see them going through trials and circumstances. I can't figure out how they're doing it. There just seems to be a calm delight. I believe that is joy present in their life. There's no reason for them to be happy. But let me tell you, there's a reason for you to have joy in your life today. This is how I can have peace in the middle of the storm because I know despite my circumstances, I can still have joy in my life. So joy is not dependent upon my circumstances, but it goes to something deeper in my life. 
I want us to understand not only the difference between uh, joy and happiness, but I want us to understand the power and purpose of joy also. Nehemiah tells us about the power of joy. And this is just the phrase at the end of the verse, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, it says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. He tells us that the power that joy brings into my life is a strength. It's not so that I can just have a, 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 a smile on my face all the time. It's not just so I can be walking around laughing and whistling Dixie. No, there's a reason it's so. That, I don't know why I would ever whistle Dixie, by the way. But Brother Gene was saying stuff. He didn't know what it meant this morning either. So something about hot water and boiling, I don't know. <laughs> but, there, <laughs> but there's power that can be found in the joy which is my strength. The word used for strength here means that I can receive strength in my life. But it's not just a reference to the fact that I can be made strong. But it actually refers to a place of strength. That joy actually prov provides a place of safety. A place of strength in my life. It's not just that I get stronger. But I find a refuge. I find a safety. I find a protection. There's a fortress. A stronghold that I can go to in the middle of my circumstance, in the middle of my trial, and joy brings that into my life. Joy is more than just a feeling. It's more than just a determination of the mind. But God's joy is a place that I can go to in time of trouble. It's not my happy place that I can go to, but no, it's a real place where I can find strength to make it through. When I have no place to go, you know where I can turn to, according to Nehemiah. I can turn to the joy of the Lord. When circumstances begin to close in around me, I can escape to the joy of the Lord. In fact, I don't know if it's biblically correct, but possibly possibly is what Paul means when he says in 1 Corinthians that he will make a way of escape for us in our trial. We're looking for all this other stuff. I wonder perhaps if he's already made the way of escape and it's through the joy of the Lord which is my strength. That's the place of safety I can find in my trouble. Let me just reiterate that, 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 that my escape, that my safety is not found in depression. It's not found in pity. It's not found in self-recrimination. It's not found in gathering together and, and relaying all my troubles. But my strength is found only in my joy. The third thing I want us to look at this morning is, is the source of joy. This is very important. When the Bible speaks of joy, again, the words tell us that it is in reference to something divine. That word that we mentioned before, the Greek word for joy, it, it's in, in specific reference to something divine. And, and the Greek tells us that it's something that can only be found in God. And it comes with virtue and wisdom. And let me just tell you from the very start here that there's a joy that can only come through the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. There is no way to get the joy of the Lord without the Holy Ghost. You can experience joy to some degree. You can experience happiness. But to live with the joy of the Lord, to have that place of safety, to have that place of protection, you must have the Holy Ghost in your life. You've got to have it. Now, I believe that when you receive the Holy Ghost, that there are seeds planted in your life. We call them the gifts of the Spirit. We call them the fruit of the Spirit. And they are, uh, they are seeds, I believe, that are in your life. And, and we're supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit, and one of them is joy. And I believe that that, that that is planted in your life. And if you remember when you got the Holy Ghost, that's probably the best time. Well, hopefully it's not. <laughs> But that's the time when those seeds begin to show themselves and you were happy and you were doing everything and you loved everybody and there was nothing wrong with anyone and then you woke up the next day. 
But one of those things that's planted in us is joy. And I believe that when we receive the Holy Ghost, that joy is planted inside you and I. We must have the Holy Ghost to receive that. I don't believe that you can plant the seed of love. You can try and love, but it doesn't match what the Holy Ghost can do when it puts love in your life. I can believe you can try and find peace in your life, but it's nothing compared to the peace that the Holy Ghost brings into your life. Those are things that must be done by the Spirit of God, can only be done by the Spirit of God. So I can cannot find joy outside of the Holy Ghost. I must have the Holy Ghost to have joy. That is the source of my joy. In fact, in Acts chapter 13, it tells us, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now, we realize they had already received the Holy Ghost the initial time, but it tells us that when they received the Holy Ghost, they continued to speak in tongues. It implies a continued infilling, and connected with the Holy Ghost was joy. I wonder sometimes if, if the reason we don't have the joy that we should have is because we've quit letting the Holy Ghost fill us up again. You know, it's not a one-time, it's not a five-time, it's not a 25-time thing. But you know what? I believe like Paul, you should speak in tongues all the time. But it keeps renewing your joy as you let it. So I want us to understand that there's a seed planted in us, and I've got to have the Holy Ghost to get that seed. While joy is something that is divine, and the seeds are planted by the Holy Ghost, I believe, though, that we are... We are tasked with the, we are given the job of cultivating that joy in our life. Throughout Scripture, we find that this is a partnership with God. This is not God just doing whatever He wants, but He decided to partner with man. We find in Scripture that the seed is planted and it grows, but we are, we are tasked with removing the stones from the field, from, with uh, removing the weeds from the field. We see in 1 Corinthians 3 that there's a process of one sowing, of one watering, and then God gives the increase that there's this joint venture that God has entered into with you and I. So while we know that God must have a part in things, that He must plant the seed, you and I have a part to play in our joy as well. <laughs> and this is where it gets a little bit different because sometimes we've just prayed, Lord, I just need some joy. Well, my challenge to you today that I'm preaching to you today is it's not all God's fault that you don't have joy. Because part of the responsibility for your joy falls to you. I believe that we've received that seed of joy, but I have a responsibility in my life to cultivate joy in my life. I, I'll say this, I don't believe that we lose our joy. Have you ever heard someone say that? Or, or maybe you've said it. Well, I've just lost my joy. I don't believe that's possible. Because you know what? Something divine happened in your life. Are you telling me that something pulled something divine out of your life? That, that's a dangerous path to begin going down. If the enemy can pull divine things out of your life, there, that's, a, that's a scary thought. That means the enemy has a lot more power than I, I thought he did. In fact, he can take what God does and he can totally do something completely. No, that's not possible. God is a creator. Satan just duplicates things. And if God does something, Satan cannot destroy what God has done. So I don't think you can lose your joy, but I believe what happens in our life is you and I quit cultivating our joy. We quit nurturing our joy. And this may not be some magical moment for you. Well, magical moment in church, well, anyway some light bulb moment for you, but I believe that the way that you cultivate joy in your life, that, that divine thing that has been planted inside of you, is through a simple thing called gratitude. 
We're entering the month of November and there's people that are going to do all kinds of thanks, uh, thankful things and post things on Facebook and do all this kind of stuff. You know, one of the signs was of, that Paul wrote, wrote in Romans 1 was that they begin to lose their thankfulness. And I'll, I feel bad for Thanksgiving. I really do because already if you go to Walmart, man, there's no, it's all Christmas stuff. Whatever happened to Thanksgiving? That's just a, that's just a wonderful time. We go from Halloween where you receive candy for yourself to Christmas where you receive gifts for yourself and they miss the gratitude one. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm preaching to Walmart now. No. <laughs> but the responsibility of gratitude, of cultivating that joy, falls to me, not to God. It's not God's job to come down and begin to tell me what I need to be grateful for or to put gratitude in my life. I must begin to be grateful in my life to cultivate the joy and allow joy to grow within me. God's just not going to bless us with joy. I believe that God can come down and in moments give us the strength we need, but I believe that God has already given you the strength that you need through His joy. Perhaps I just need to cultivate it. Yet we allow things to begin to crowd out our joy. We, we allow things to begin to crowd out our gratitude. And, and, and we forget that we must maintain that divine joy. In fact, the Apostle Paul backs this up and tells us in the middle of trial, in the middle of circumstances, in the middle of all this, he doesn't say pray that the Lord would bring you through. No, he says in 1 Thessalonians, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. You know what? In the middle of your situation, you got to be grateful for something. <laughs> it's the will of God for you to be grateful for something. He says, in every situation, in the good times and in the bad, you're supposed to be grateful. Now remember that gratitude and joy are not based upon our circumstances, but upon our spirit. So maybe the problem is that I've lost my joy. Perhaps my spirit has become ungrateful in my life. And the only one who can make it ungrateful is me. And the only reason I don't have strength in my life is not anything to do with God, but has to do with me and my ungratefulness. And I struggle and I wonder and I fight and have all these issues and, and circumstances come around me and, and they're awful. But you know what? The issue is not the circumstances, it's my spirit which has become ungrateful. You know, I think it's important for us to, to see, too, that there's something that's very important about joy. You see, with happiness, the opposite of happiness is sadness, because both are temporary states of being. You can be happy for a while and end up being sad. You can be sad for a while and end up being happy. So sadness is not the opposite of joy. Sadness is the opposite of, uh, of happiness, because they're temporary states of being. I'd like to share with you the opposite of joy. The opposite of joy is fear. Fear is what begins to steal our joy. You know what? There's people that sit here today and the reason you don't have strength in your life is because of fear in your life. It has nothing to do with the fact that God won't come through and God hasn't done anything for me. I've allowed fear to grab a hold of my life and it's crowded out the gratitude and joy in my life. And, and the truth is that many people have lost the ability to even experience true joy in their life. Think about when you were a kid, or, or perhaps even an adult. And, um, uh, you know, of course, the scariest place to be, uh, how many of you were scared of the dark? 
You know, your room was lit up like a stadium at night because you were afraid of the dark. <laughs> How many have to have a fan blowing at night too? Oh my goodness. Uh, that's, that's in our family. I don't have to have a... I, my room was dark and still. That's it. And I laid like this. No, not really. <laughs> but my wife likes to have a fan. So there's a fan blowing in the hallway. And then she's got an app for the phone that has a fan. And there's different kinds of fans. There's like a Chinese fan, and there's, it's like, what in the world? And the other night, I thought, this is, this is getting a little loud. It's a little ridiculous. So I, I was up in the middle of the night, and I, I turned the fan off, and all of I hear is, turn that fan back on. It's like, it's right by your ear, the, the phone. What in the world? <laughs> but, but you, you know, the scariest place to walk through in the dark is where? The church, that's right. It's the scariest place to walk through is the church because especially after there's been someone there, they even preach about angels and demons and stuff, and then that's your night to lock up, and you forget the light at the front, and you've got to turn off and walk through the church in the, in the, in the dark. That's scary stuff. And, and now, of course, you've got your phone, so you can turn your phone on. Thank the Lord that, you know, shine the light upon us. But back in the day, back in the day, you just had to have faith that a light would come as you sang, Send the Light. Or this little light of mine, that something would open up a pathway in front of you because that's, that's a, a scary situation to be in, is in the church in the middle of the night. But uh, how, how many of you, I, I want to ask you about, and, that, and that's a fear, it causes something to stir up within us. As silly as it may be, there's been moments where um, I did, I, I, just in case someone saw me, I did not run, but I, I definitely quickened my step across where I was, you know, because there's something inside, inside of you that when you get afraid and it causes a physical reaction to take place. Now let me ask you this. Let me ask you about your fear. Did you ever have a fear of the dark and walking through the church at night? Who, right, you did? Did you? Okay, let me ask you this. Because there's, you're, you're, scared of, you're scared of what's in the dark, right? What's lying just behind what you can see. Did you ever have a legitimate like boogeyman experience? Like you were walking through the church and, and there actually something came out at you? No. Anyone, anyone actually ever go to your closet and something jumped out at you that wasn't a person freaking you out? So it's based, our fear is really on the unknown. We don't know what's there. We don't know if what the preacher was preaching about is hiding in the darkness or we don't know whatever. In our house with Isaac, it was the moose. I don't know how it got to be a moose, but the moose would get you if you weren't careful. There was a moose, and we'd say, the moose is coming, and he'd run screaming upstairs to bed. It was great. I, I don't know how why the moose. But it's the fear of the unknown. I mean, he'd never seen a moose except the little stuffed thing he had. He'd never seen But it's the fear of the unknown. I don't know what the moose is going to do to me, but it's going to be bad. The fear of the unknown. So a lot of times those fears are based upon nothing. Nothing. It's all in our mind. Your mind takes you down paths. Your mind takes you places that, that, that you, it's just, you start going through all of these things. 
And fear begins to grab a hold of us. The fear of the dark, the fear of the unknown, that which cannot be seen. What may be there or may not be there. And that's what drives us crazy, not just walking across the sanctuary at night. But it's what drives us crazy in our life is the fear of the unknown. Sickness comes. We don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, fear grabs a hold of our heart. And you know what? In the middle of that circumstance, that situation, the fear comes because of the unknown and all the circumstances. And what does it begin to crowd out? Gratitude. And where does our strength come from? It comes from the joy of the Lord and gratitude helps grow that joy. And all of a sudden we allow fear to eat away at us. I don't know what's going to happen. This circumstance, my finances, I don't know what's happening. And before long fear eats away and we can't be grateful anymore. And then we wonder why we're struggling because we have no strength to make it through. It's been said that joy is the most terrifying emotion there is, which seems a little odd. But it's because we come, become so scared, so afraid of the dark, of the unknown, of what might possibly happen, that we become scared that our joy will be taken away, that we quit trying to experience joy even. We start to beat ourselves down. We start to lose the joy that we feel because of fear. Because, and we, we lose our tolerance to experience real joy. And joy itself becomes something that's scary. Because it's something that can be taken from us, we feel. If, if things are no good, or if things are going good, sorry, then, then we only enjoy it for a few seconds because we think, well, you know what? It's going too good. <laughs> it's gonna, it, it, something's going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. Or it's too good to be true. Or it's too good to last. And that's fear grabbing a hold of us because something good is happening and we don't know where it's going to take us. But we allow fear to creep in. We don't get too excited. We don't get too joyful that way. You know what? If things don't work out, we're not too disappointed if it doesn't work out. In fact, if it does work out, then we give ourselves a little surprise. Right? That's why you always got to see on your first test in class, just to keep the teacher's expectations right in the middle. She wouldn't be too disappointed with the D, but she'd be happy with the B. There you go. That's not good advice. <laughs> But we, we begin to allow this fear because we're not sure if it can get taken. We're not sure about all this stuff. So we allow joy to get taken from us. We allow fear to take gratitude to, from us. And worry and anxiety and fear can actually begin to rob you of joyful experiences now. Think about it. If you have kids, that's, that's a joyful thing as they do all this stuff. But how many of you with your kids, you've allowed fear to even grab a hold of moments that should be joyful? They're riding their bike, and you let go of the handlebars, and rather than celebrating, you're afraid that they're going to fall, just like you did. But we allow, we, we look at our kids while they're sleeping, or we see something, and, and, and suddenly fear can begin to grip us of what happens if this goes wrong, or if I have this pillow in the wrong place, or maybe I should move them to the floor, and we allow fear to begin to grab all of these things out of us. And so we start, we start trying to prepare ourselves for tragedy, for the worst that's going to happen. And we use fear now as a form of armor. Now, I'm, not, I'm getting into my teaching here a little bit now, but so just stay excited about it. But we, we use fear as a form of armor to protect ourselves. We try to provide for every eventuality. And fear does that to us. Well, what if this happens, and what if this happens? That's why when, when, well, anyway, I won't keep telling stories. That's when this happens, and all this stuff goes on. We, we try to plan for everything, and that fear tries to create an armor for us because we imagine that something bad is going to happen when in reality there's nothing wrong. 
There's nothing in the sanctuary that's going to get you. Here's the deal, though. No matter how much you try to prepare yourself or dress rehearse things, it cannot protect you or prepare you for when tragedy or circumstances happen. It cannot. You cannot prepare yourself. You can sit down and you can try and walk through a scenario where the doctor gives you a bad report, but nothing can prepare you for sitting in front of the doctor and receiving a bad report. You can prepare yourself for the loss of a spouse or a loved one, but nothing can prepare you for when it happens. And you know what you do? In the meantime, you've lost your moments of joy in your preparation. And the second thing is now you've put on the armor of fear. And we're not supposed to put on the armor of fear. We're supposed to put on the armor of God. So let me tell you, since fear is now your protection, it's no wonder the enemy has easy access to you. It's no wonder you can, get, you can get turned by the slightest thing. It's no wonder that you don't just stumble, but you fall and you fall and you fall. It's no wonder because fear is what is protecting you, not the Spirit of God, not the armor of God. You don't have the Word protecting you. It's all your eventualities of fear. Fear cannot protect you, only hindering, hinder you. Experiencing joy is not about losing responsibility and just being reckless and living with no fear. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's, not, it's about not letting fear and anxiety and worry strangle your right now to strangle the gratitude from your present circumstance. Fear doesn't allow you to be grateful for anything because you know what? Fear tells you it won't last anyway. What a nice day today. You know what? It'll probably rain later. So joy has no cultivation in the fearful life. If you're living in fear, it's no wonder you don't have strength because nothing is cultivating the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. What you're doing is allowing the fear of the dark, the unknown, to overwhelm the light of joy, the known. Let me tell you what, there's some things that I can know in my life. The fear is all about the unknown, but there's some things that I do know. There's some things that I can control. There's some things that I have assurances for in His Word. I know that He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know that He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I know that He is my shepherd. I know that He is the light of the world. I know that He's a healer, that He's a deliverer. And fear tells me you need to worry about all the stuff you don't know. I choose to stand on what I do know. I choose to be grateful that He can heal me, that He can deliver me. That's where my strength comes from. Come on, why don't you give Him praise right now? Give Him praise right now. I thank You, Lord. I thank You, Lord Jesus. First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. There is a promise in there that fear hath torment. If you are living a fearful life, you will have torment in your life. But he that feareth is not made perfect in love. But there is a solution. Perfect love casteth out all fear. That word for fear has the idea of becoming a slave to fear. Literally your phobos, your phobias. Your fear of bald people. Your fear of elevators. Not really. But perfect love casts out all fear. And I'm closing. Sister Sherry, if you want to come. And if you don't want to come, come anyway. I believe that it's time for us to renew our joy. I believe it's time for us to renew gratitude in our life. And this is how I ended today. Going all the way back. 
2 Corinthians 11.3, and I believe I'm out of order on my slides. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds, because that's where it really all is, is in your mind, should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And I don't, I don't know if it... I, I've tried to connect some things for you today, I, but I want to end with simplicity. Just a simple fact, because I believe that where it all starts, whether, whether you're searching for joy in your life, Joy can only come, first of all, through the Holy Ghost. Whether you have allowed fear to grab a hold of your life, you've got the Holy Ghost, but fear has grabbed a hold of your life, and you feel like you've lost your joy, and you need gratitude to begin to cultivate that, I believe it all comes back to one simple fact. It's time to get my joy back, time to get it renewed, by a renewed gratitude for the cross. Perfect love casts out all fear. Where else could you go? For a more perfect example of love. If I want my fear cast out, I don't need a book. I don't need a seminar. I don't need someone to tell me something. The best place to find perfect love is at the foot of the cross. If, I, if, I'm, if I've got fear in my life, the best place to go is to the cross. The simplicity of the cross. And that simple fact that God loved you and I so much that he was willing to do whatever it took to make a way. We find that there's a joy in Scripture that's connected with our salvation. When I renew a love, a gratitude for my salvation. Psalms 21, The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. You see, I think what we need to do is simply go back to the cross and remember that he saved me. He saved me. You know what? I think that's part of the problem. And Brother Gene was teaching this morning about culture and different things. I believe the culture would love to grab from us the simple fact of gratitude for the cross. It wants to put our minds all other places and it would like to confuse us. And it would like to create shadows and, and, and give us uh, silhouettes and things that might be out there that might get us. We might be afraid. You know what, I don't know what's going to happen Tuesday and I can live in fear, but you know what, today I choose to go to the cross and be thankful that no matter what happens in my life, no matter what happens in my circumstances, no matter what I face tomorrow, I'm grateful that I'm saved today. And you know what, I know I'm going to be saved tomorrow because of the cross of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Psalms 51, it's a psalm of repentance. And you know what he asks? He says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. <laughs> you know what? We, we, we allow the circumstances to control us so much. And then, then we allow our joy to be based on the result of those circumstances. But he just wanted the joy of his salvation. Let me ask you, when was the last time you were just thankful that God saved you? Just thankful that he saved you because you know what? That's the greatest miracle that could ever happen to you. When I lose the gratefulness of the cross... Psalms 103 says this, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all His benefits. You know what His first benefit He lists is? The cross, who forgives all mine iniquities. You know what? If I can't stand and lift my hands and be grateful that He's forgiven my iniquities... 
that I can't stand and lift my hands and say, you know what, I'm thankful that, that at one point in my life I came to an altar or whatever it was and I met Jesus at the foot of the cross and He changed my life. He did something in me. Isaiah 17 says, Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation and hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength. That word strength there is the same word that Nehemiah uses for strength. It's that that strength that I find, that joy, that strength. Therefore shalt thou plant pleasant plants and shalt set it with strange slips. He says you've forgotten the God of your salvation. So you know what's happened? Your strength has slipped away because you've forgotten to be thankful. I want us to stand this morning. I know there's people here today and you've never received the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, you can search the world over. You you can find happiness. And you know what? That's temporary. Your circumstances will change and you'll have to find happiness some other way. The only way that you can get joy in your life is to allow the Holy Ghost to touch your life and to fill you. It's the only way you can get it. And that's available for you today. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost today. You can receive joy. The verse said joy unspeakable. You know what? When you get the Holy Ghost, you won't be able to explain how you feel. It's going to be joy unspeakable and it's going to be full of glory. That's available for you today. I simply need to come to an altar. I need to repent, which simply means I tell God, you know what? I'm tired of going my own way. I'm not doing it right. I need to follow after you, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me. Cleanse me. And then you know what? I begin to worship Him. And you know what I do? This is what I tell people to do if they want the Holy Ghost. You know what I tell them to do? Lift your hands and begin to thank Him. Thank Him that He forgave your sins. And you know what? When I begin to thank Him, His presence comes in. It draws His presence. You know what? The Holy Ghost will flood your soul. That's here for you today. And you know, well, I, I, I need to quit, but let me, let me tell you, if you need the Holy Ghost and you leave here today, I'm not sure, well, that's fear. That's fear. I don't know if I want to no. know. You need to get rid of fear in your life. And the only way to do it, maybe you got to send, send the light as you come to the altar, but whatever you got to do, you need to find an altar. You need to come to a place of repentance in your life. Maybe you feel today like your joy's been lost. That circumstances have robbed you of any joy in your life. You're living for God, but that's all you're doing. You've got life, but it doesn't feel like life more abundant. You know there's heaven in the distance, but man, and the only reason I want to get there is because right now it's so bad. Well, I believe that's true, but you know what? I believe we can have joy in this life. I believe that. Because you know what? The world's getting worse and worse, but my joy is not connected to that. My happiness is, but my joy's not. You feel that circumstances have robbed you of joy. You feel like the promises of God have faded. You know what? The promises of God should bring me joy. They should. When God gives me a promise that my kids will be saved, or my spouse will be saved, or this will happen, that should give me cause for joy. But you know what? The fear of the unknown. Well, they're farther away. I don't know how God's going to make a way. 
that'll rob you. You know what I need to do? I need to come to an altar and say, Lord, I, I stand at the foot across of the cross again. I'm thankful, Lord, that you saved me, that you died for my sins. And Lord, I'm grateful for the promise that you gave in my life. And you know what? You'll find strength in your life. I said at the start, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. It's their first issue. They knew God at some point, and they quit saying, Lord, you're God. Lord, I give my life to you. Then they weren't thankful. They weren't thankful. And there's a, a spiral that goes on, and we got to quit. There's a spiral that goes on. Second thing was they quit being thankful. They quit saying, Lord, have your way in my life, and then they quit being thankful. Thankfulness, gratitude is not some small thing, but your strength can come from you responding at an altar call today. And simply saying, Lord, I'm thankful again for the cross. Lord, renew my joy in the cross. Lord, renew my gratefulness in the cross. And I don't know what your circumstances are right now. I know there's people in here that are going through struggles and, and they're going through situations. And, and I'm not here to offer you a solution. I don't have the answer. But I'll tell you where you can find strength. I'll tell you where you can find maybe an answer in your life even is in Jesus at a cross. I want us to lift our hands right now. Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, your word has gone forth, and I believe, Lord, that you can do a work. Lord, that your strength would go forth right now. Lord, you see people that are battling and struggling, God, wondering where you are, seeming to have lost their joy. Lord, first of all, I want you to confirm to us that we didn't lose joy. Perhaps we've quit taking part in it, Lord. And Lord, I ask you right now, I ask you to challenge me right now, God. Lord, help me to catch a renewed gratitude of thankfulness for your cross, God. Lord, all the way back, the simplicity of it, God. Lord, you've done so much for me, Lord. But Lord, I don't want to just get caught up in trappings or anything, Lord, but the simplicity of the cross, God. Lord, that if I can't be grateful for the greatest miracle in my life, if I can't be grateful for the greatest sacrifice. Lord, I need you to challenge me this morning. Come on, this altar is open today. I don't know if you need strength. Maybe you need the Holy Ghost today. Maybe you're struggling and you don't have the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, you can get it today. This altar is open this morning. And it's all open for those who simply want to come and be grateful, to give thanksgiving to God. You know what? Despite my circumstances, I'm going to give thanks to God today. And you know what? I believe that as you're grateful, as you give thanks to Him, there'll be a strength that arises within you that says, you know what? I know my circumstances aren't quite the way I want them to be, but I know that God's going to bring me through. He's still with me. He hasn't left me. He hasn't quit on me today. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Come on, why don't you just lift your hands and begin to lift your praises to Him. Begin to thank Him. Go all the way back to the simplicity of the cross. Lord, I'm so thankful that you saved me, God. Lord, that you went to a cross for me, God. Lord, that you bled for me. Lord, that my iniquities are forgiven in you. I'm in all.